Welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby, and alongside me is Rob Hayes. Rob, how do we find you on this uh, midweek with well, Royal Ascot? The Ashes still going on. Australia need 54 to win with three wickets needed for England. That's the state of play as we record. So you'll all know by now what the result is. Um, and uh, the football season, I think, now officially finished after the England game. Finally. It's been a long one, hasn't it? Hasn't it dragged this football season? You find me reasonably well. I'm very busy, but not for a sporting reason. We're getting towards the end of term. I'm uh, um, drowning in uh, end-of-year reports and all all sorts of other fun stuff like that. So you're drowning in sport, I'm drowning in paperwork. But here we are to talk about some news. Yes, we have a new manager. Enzo Maresca is the new Leicester City manager, the former assistant to Pep Guardiola at treble winners Manchester City, has uh, has joined the club. And it seemed that the process was basically to have a chat with a few managers and then go for Maresca and, and see what he reckons, see what he fancies and see whether the, the Leicester City board fancy him after, of course, they... they complete the treble. We, we think we mentioned the fact that there were probably going to be a few days because obviously they were playing the, the Champions League final and obviously they won that, you've got celebrations, etc. But he's uh, hot-footed over to uh, to the King Power. Um, exciting, uh, really, I suppose is, is, is one word for it. For me, I, I think it's a very forward-thinking, quite a bit of a risk, really. The safe option would have been maybe a, a Parker, but I can see this as a, a positive it's a forward-thinking young manager with obvious then links to the treble winners. And from what we've seen and heard so far from him, which has been just a few interviews with the club, um, I I like the cut of his jib, really. Um, okay, we're going on very, very little. His very, very small stint in charge at Parma. I don't think it really makes any difference. Um, for me, I just look at it and go... It's a a positive, forward-looking approach. And also, it's just a slight minor thing, but, you know, it, it does make a difference. He actually speaks quite good English as well. That's that's a, a, bit, a bit of a big tick for me. So, uh, yeah. Uh, well, as we see here right now, Rob, I think it's a pretty positive signing. I would agree. It wasn't necessarily one that, um, until he was linked in, you know, in the papers and the gossip columns and whatever, that, that I would have even considered... Uh, but it's I'm hesitant to use the word risk because it's not a completely unknown. It's not somebody like you say that that's coming into English football for the first time. It's not like we've plucked him. You know, if we'd have taken him from his job at Palmer in Serie B and he had never been to play or or work in England before, I'd have gone. Hang on a minute, what we're we doing here? Um, I'm not saying that he needs to have an extensive period of time in this country. And, and obviously football is fairly similar in, in, across the board. But 
it does help that he can communicate effectively. You're right there. It does help that he's had experience at a few different English clubs in various different capacities as a player, coach and um, assistant manager. And now he's sort of in a position where he's ready to have another go at being the main man. And I, I, I agree with you in terms of the way that he's spoken so far. I think it's difficult to say the wrong thing in your opening couple of interviews. You've got a few stock phrases you need to get across. You essentially need to tell the fans they're going to enjoy watching your team and they're going to win loads of football matches. And at the moment, he ticks those boxes, doesn't he? The 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 the, the exciting thing is, you think Scott Parker was was reportedly one of those, as you mentioned, that was that was closest in the running, if you like. Um, and I was I was interested to see sort of the social media response to that, and people were saying, "Well, no, not for me, thank you. Not sort of strong enough, not um, not a big enough draw, that kind of thing." But when you looked at the statistics, he got Bournemouth and Fulham promoted to the Premier League. So, kind of in the same breath, yeah, it wouldn't be the most inspirational managerial appointment. But Leicester, whilst it's still a, a very attractive job, it's not the biggest job that you could be getting. So when when you think, think about it and you say no to Scott Parker, which direction do you go in that, that is going to please some fans? And at the moment, I don't see too much bad noise about Maresca and I don't have any bad feelings about him because he is fairly unknown with the sort of safety blanket of knowing English football. And it's an interesting situation. There's not that many managers like that out there. No, in images of him driving a huge Ferrari, I think it was. And, and yeah, I, I just like what he was saying about the mentality. That's one thing that he needs to change. And again, it's all talk, so you never know what could happen. But I think he's he's nailed it. It, it sounds like straight away he probably identifies what was wrong last season. I don't think it takes a genius to do that from anyone not associated with, with Leicester and from someone associated with a... I know he's he's fighting at the other end of the league and, and all eyes on Man City, but everyone knew kind of what was wrong at um, at Leicester last year. So it, it doesn't take a you know an absolute genius to do that. Hopefully, you know, he turns into a, a, a genius, but to, to make those noises and to say that straight away is great. I do wonder what the um I do wonder what the players think of it. I wonder what the players who um who maybe are are wavering as to whether that they're going to um stay or whether they're going to move on those with you know a year to go or those um even looking to for bigger and better things that that will be a test of time. There's there's so much to do, you know. This this kind of like rules out one thing that we needed and that was obviously a new manager. But we've got him in charge and from the noises that have been made and from what happens before at the likes of Palmer and, and, and from what we know from, you know, reports of, of how he likes to play. It's going to be pretty high pressing. It's going to be playing good football, but forward thinking football. And and yeah, so uh, overall, I, I think it's a, a very, very positive signing and and hopefully we can bounce back straight away but again there's so much to do it's it's a slow burner so far in terms of players there's um obviously the players been released and some have moved on etc to other clubs and then there's the other managerial move which is Brendan Rodgers going back to Celtic 
that obviously has quite a lot of connotations with Leicester because he's instantly going to be linked with a lot of Leicester players. And if we were in the league still, the Premier League, I'd imagine the vast majority would not have moved. This is not a Leicester where you're moving to Celtic a la Martin O'Neill. You're not going to do a Neil Lennon and go or maybe pinch one or two or, or come in with bids for the likes of Muzzy, is it, which he did. Um, Elliot was rumoured heavily and there was a few kind of turned down. Eventually, obviously, Guppy went there. Elliot, um, quite funnily, turned down uh, you know plenty of money or wanted plenty of money. And, and so... I don't think that's going to happen if we were in the Premier League. Now, because we're not, that changes everything. So the likelihood of Celtic getting players under contract from Leicester is, I think, very high. And obviously those who have been let go as well. Um, so overall, it's an interesting development on, on both fronts. Um, what... Instantly, what what what's your reaction those for the, for those two then, Rob? What would you think regarding players? Do you think players are going to be willing to move? There's there's always been links with Wilfred and Didi, um, Daniel and Marty. You mentioned to me so those those two, and of course there's plenty more. Marty obviously leaving the club already, but um, and then what do you think that the new manager? It's, it's dip, very difficult to say from our position here right now. But do you think that would have any effect on the likes of say a Johnny Evans, for example? It depends how much clout he seems to have in the football world because we we look at it from the outside in and from lots of people's point of view, the first thing that they're saying about Maresca is the job that he's just come from, which is the fact that he was uh, one of the assistant managers to Pep Guardiola, who many consider to be uh, one of the greatest managers, if not the greatest manager of, of certainly of this era. Um, so you're looking at that and you're thinking, right, this bloke was one of his number twos. He's just won the treble. He's got that winning mentality. If you're talking about an education as a coach ready to go into managerial um, work on your own, then there is no better grounding for that. So in my in my view, he, he carries a bit of respect in that sense. So he, he, I think for, for somebody like Evans... He will. He strikes me as the kind of bloke that's going to sit down and have a, a, an honest and open conversation with Maresca, and Evans will get a sense fairly fairly quickly if Maresca wants him there. Uh, and I personally, if I was Enzo Maresca, I would be trying to convince Johnny Evans to stay because I think his experience was one of the biggest catalysts in us nearly staying in the Premier League in terms of steadying things up. Uh, we've lost a lot of leaders. Tielemans is going from has gone from the leadership group. Uh, Schmeichel, we went we went on and on about on a previous podcast about him his um, experience leaving the club. So you want somebody experienced there. It's whether Maresca wants that, whether Johnny Evans fits in that style of play. Evans can play football. Evans will be uh, a quality defender in the championship. So it might tip him to stay, but I think that depends on that kind of conversation. Your other ones, maybe the ones where you're sort of on the fence as to whether they're going to stay or whether they're going to go. I know most people are kind of swaying more towards somebody like Barnes leaving, um, but he might just look at Maresca and go, well, he's going to play good football. He is coming in with that winning mentality. Could I give my hometown club a season under, under this guy, get us back in, promoted? Because then you're probably looking at 
Leicester re-establishing themselves for another 10 years in the Premier League. I could see somebody like Barnes thinking along those lines. It would certainly have crossed their mind. Whereas if somebody like a Scott Parker had come in, I can't see Harvey Barnes thinking, yeah, Scott Parker's really inspired me there. I'm going to stay at Leicester. So I, I think he's just got that that touch of... I don't know. I don't know whether I call it star quality or anything like that, but he seems to just bring that a little bit of an aura just because he's coming from Guardiola's staff. So I think there is probably a higher chance of some of those players that are fifty-fifty staying, provided those conversations are fairly positive. In terms of leaving to Celtic, uh, I totally agree. Leicester being in the Championship makes that move a whole lot more sensible and viable for some of those players, particularly with their European football on offer, and if they were in. Uh, in, in Brendan Rodgers' favour, then why would you not go there if there was, if there was interest? Um, I don't know, with somebody like Ndidi, we covered him quite a lot on the previous podcast where we were talking a couple of years ago, we were talking about a move to one of the big, big clubs. And I've got a, a former sort of, a guy that I went to uni with who I'm still sort of following, keeping in touch with a bit on the social medias. And he's a, he's a big Celtic fan and uh uh, quite a well-respected journalist these days, and he's been fuming about the fact that uh, Postacoglu has gone to Spurs, considering it a bigger club when Celtic have won this, this, this and this. I personally um, would not consider, from from what we thought indeed he was going to progress to, I wouldn't have seen Leicester to Celtic as a, as a positive step for him. But in the same breath, he's not going to be playing championship football. I think that's highly unlikely. There's a chance he makes a, a big money move to somewhere like Saudi for a couple of seasons, rediscovers some form. Is the Saudi league going to go bust in a similar way to the to the Chinese league did? Possibly. Um, and at some point, somebody's going to put some caps in place, at which point he maybe comes back and finds a, a club that have more European football than Leicester, that kind of thing. But... I think you're looking more fringe kind of players for Celtic, even though you're right, it would be a move slightly upwards. I'd also look at it and think, well, if Daniel Amati's heavily linked with going there, I know um, you said it's a fairly fairly straightforward one for for making a few column inches on the on the on the gossip pages. But uh, if you if you're looking at that kind of calibre of player, I don't see any of the better players than Daniel Amati, of which there are many in the Leicester squad. I don't see them necessarily thinking Celtic is the move unless they were big, big Rogers fans. Yeah, I um I, I kind of look at it slightly differently actually. I, I look at the I, I think Harvey Barnes is the number one player who will leave Leicester. I think Leicester are looking at Barnes going, There's the money. Basically, there's we know Madison will leave. I think that's just a very, very obvious thing with um with the fact that he's got Obviously, one year left on his deal, etc. He's, he's not. He's never been near. He's going to stay. He's now part of the England squad, um, so he's gone. Um, and then Barnes will go as well. And I, I think Leicester are just looking at that, going, "That's that's the money that we're replacing not being in the Premier League." I can't. I, I even if you know Guardiola came from Man City rather than <laughs> rather than Enzo Maresca, I think that um, Barnes would go. You're going to be offered a four-year contract, maybe more, at a, a, a very good Premier League club. You're going to be offered an awful lot of money. You're going to do it. You know, you're going to be on 100 grand plus and you're going to be given, you know, you might go to Spurs, you might go to Newcastle, you might go to West Ham. West Ham, it could be wherever. Um, Madison, the same. Now, obviously, they've turned down 
what a, a speculative fifty million pound bid um, from Tottenham for um, for both of them put together. So that's um, that's a, a derogatory, you know, kind of offer, really. So um, yeah, I, I just can't see him staying at all. And, and then when it comes to Celtic, again, you look at what they've done at Leicester and you, their career here, and you think, well. There's trophies. There's absolute trophies. I mean, it makes complete sense for me for Brendan Rodgers to go there. I, I complete no-brainer. You look at the distance between Celtic and um, Rangers. They're miles clear of Rangers, and you're guaranteed trophies. And if you do well in Europe, there's an instant return to a possible big job somewhere. That's that's the thing for Rodgers. It makes a complete sense. The interesting link would be indeed to to Saudi purely because of of the money. I mean that whole thing is just mad. I th- I think people really haven't got their head around it yet. It's it's absolutely massive. Um, it's all very well leagues around the world offering a place for players who are thirty five to go and they sign them for free and they play there for a year or so. You know you you go as far as um, China for a bit. You got Australia sometimes, especially America. Um, and then it was the likes of Saudi. Qatar, I'd imagine, will be following very, very shortly. The The big problem is, obviously, now they're spending money, so they're buying, what, Neves for £50 million. That's not the problem. Just, just you know, not really, obviously, anything to do with Leicester at the current time, but basically, PIF, who we all know is the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, they essentially own the vast majority, if not all of, Todd Bowley's company, the the owner of Chelsea. Well, Chelsea are then bought by Todd Bowley. They then spend £600 million on all the best players around Europe in a complete random shopping spree. And now a lot of their senior players are going to be sold to Saudi Arabia to balance the books. That doesn't sit right with me. That's wrong. You know, that's too convenient for me. Oh, it's just a coincidence. Is it? Is it really? I don't I don't like that. You know, the, the goalkeeper's going, Kribali's going, a few players, Ngolo Kante's gone. You know, the, the, there's a lot of players going. And again, they're spending big money. So that kind of stinks, doesn't it? So there would be question marks there. But if Wilfred indeed, he wants to go to Saudi Arabia and, and they are obviously going to have to pay some money for him, brilliant. You know, they can pay some good money. And... Well, there you go. Be be fantastic. And we'll just have to see what happens with the squad. I can still see it being absolutely decimated. I can't see it being anything other than that. Um, when it comes to, obviously, players coming in, it's you know very, very early stages. And we'll see what he does with the likes of Vardy, what he does with Evans, and uh, and what happens with you know goalkeeping situations. Obviously, I went on my Schmeichel rant uh, on the last episode. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But very, very interesting when it comes to to those possible moves because they're not signing anyone, are they? They're or they really are picking and choosing some quality players from the midway points of their careers. It is quite scary. You're absolutely right in terms of the the incomings at Leicester. Obviously, we're not here to speculate or anything. But but I think the going back to Maresca the the interesting thing with him is his background with youth players in the sense that before he left his first stint at Man City 
Uh, he won the PL2, which um, now obviously Man City's academy is uh, is full of talent because they've got plenty of cash to spend on paying compensation to whoever for plucking any player they like from anybody's academy around the world virtually. Um, but you've still got to have uh, a way with those young players. It's a different sort of style of management. They've got a lot to learn um, in terms of their sort of application and mentality, usually, younger players. Um, so in that sense, that, that bodes well for, for Leicester because there's a handful of players coming back to the squad from loans at other EFL clubs and the drop-in division does open the door for players like that. I know McAteer said something similar um, when the, the Mercury spoke to him recently. Um, he's been on loan at what, AFC Wimbledon, I think, and, and we, we've talked about the fact that the squad is will be unbalanced, has been unbalanced with the lack of wingers anyway. And I would say in the Championship, that is the kind of position in which you could not risk a few younger players from your own academy, but certainly put them in. As long as you've got a fullback behind them who knows what they're doing, um, and we're talking about a midfield that could potentially be Dewsbury Hall and Chowdhury, um, then you could have a few of those younger, more raw talents, if you like, out wide. Um, so it is in terms of first-team players that we would recognise, yes, the squad will be much thinner, uh, hopefully in terms of getting the, the business done early, hopefully in a couple of weeks' time, um, we'll know the direction of some of the players. You know, somebody like Castagna, is, is, he's come out and made all the noises that he's not going to be at Leicester next season, which is which is absolutely fine, totally understandable from his point of view. Uh, a few other players that haven't really said much, but you would imagine that they're going to be going. So Maresca, I think, will hopefully look to Leicester's academy to bring a few players through. There's obviously those that have had taste of first team action, FA Cup games or been parts of the part of squads um that could be kind of promoted from like third choice in a position to second choice in a position. Uh if you're looking at it like that. I I always think of football teams. I'm going off a bit here on one, but you know the old um I say the old sticker books. I used to have the uh the Premier League sticker books every year. And they used to lay out kind of the rough formation that the team would take. And then they'd put like the first choice player or the most likely to start in that position. Then they put the second one. And then sometimes they put a third one there as well. So some of those young players might have made it into the sticker book this season as the third choice. You know, players that have been around the squad like Brunt had a couple of appearances, those kind of players. There's a chance next season in the championship that they'll move up into those sort of second like the first choice backup if you like but on on the youth thing there's there's also the look at um the fact that Maresca will have a lot of contacts at Manchester City and they have quite obviously got some very talented young players I know Guardiola doesn't always like to let the ones that are really um near the first team go anywhere because he wants to to sort of have them in the first team training environment, make sure that they're part of the match day squads. And obviously with Champions League squads, etc., the squad size is massive, so you can have those players in there. Um, but Maresca will know that academy inside out, having won the PL2 there a couple of seasons ago. Yes, this season he was involved in the senior setup, but they'll obviously always be watching the youngsters. So th- there's a chance that you could look at um, 
a couple of very very talented players coming coming down from Manchester supplement that with a couple coming up up from our academy as well then all of a sudden it's not like you need to go out and sign 15 first team players for a championship season and have a completely completely new squad no i think the uh the youth setup at leicester unfortunately the, the the first few players that come to mind would be players who are out injured so there's that to maybe come through but i i can imagine them filling more spots in the first team squad certainly this year and the link to man city is obvious but more than obvious is because of that record with their pl2 side and you just can't help but think that we're going to bring in probably even a couple on loan and um where they fit in the side we we shall see um Regarding elsewhere at Leicester, obviously not an awful lot really. He'll need he that's been kind of announced since the end of the season. He'll need to change. I I love to find out in the first few weeks of the season what he actually does with with um, with Seagrave because with now the the stories are coming out about how it's set up and about how certain aspects of Seagrave didn't really work and maybe it was almost. It was too big in a way, you know, areas not being used and, and also people who were in the same offices or in the same areas now miles apart and, you know, the team eating in different places and all that sort of thing. It'd be interesting to see what what changes he makes regarding, you know, the outlook of the club from within, essentially. Um, but again, all all this to happen, there's going to be so much news and so much happening throughout the co you know, the the, the the season before it even starts, you know, in the postseason, in the preseason, uh, no change to the fixture list as yet. So the tours are still on, um, and and then when you look away from the club, um, they they've released a new shirt. We knew the shirt was um, what it was going to be like because we saw it on the final day of the season. But it turns out now, I think that the the sponsor may be in danger or is gone because of um, a clause in the contract is if you get relegated. So the more than likely King Power will be on there unless someone comes in with a, uh, you know, maybe takes a bit of a gamble on having their name on Leicester shirts, knowing that they might go up into the Premier League. So that could be an option, but it could well just go straight to King Power. Um, so that's been um, kind of roughly confirmed and, and slash rumoured online. Um, but the next part really, Rob, is, is about, um, and again, a, a player who... It's just natural, especially for what they've done um, at the club. But just your initial thoughts on Yuri Tillemans moving to Villa. I would put it in the same bracket as wondering what on earth happened to Ndidi's career at Leicester in the last couple of years that Celtic would be considered a feasible move for him. Uh, you, you never know the the total reason why uh, he didn't renew his contract at Leicester. But for most of us, we're looking at it thinking... He thinks he's he's run his course at Leicester and he's got a bigger club in him. Uh, and we were talking early doors when Tielemans first signed for us. You were you're talking this is a this is a world class midfielder in the making and he's going to go on to a big club, sim- very similar to Ndidi. And you're thinking them two in midfield going to absolutely boss it. Well, them two in midfield we got relegated, and then Yuri Tielemans ends up at Villa. Which now Villa fans will will argue with me, I'm sure. That um, that they are what you would call a big club, um, and I guess in England, yes, 
depending on where you would put them. Uh, yes, there's European football there. Yes, Unai Emery is a very attractive coach to play for. You, you've got McGinn and Mings coming out recently saying he, this guy has done more for me in the last six months than, than any coach has done for me in my entire career. But you still kind of look at it and think, hmm, he downed tools a bit for Leicester. He wanted a bigger move than this, surely, but he couldn't find enough form to put himself in a big enough shop window, so he's kind of ended up at Villa. And it feels like a bit of a... A bit of a... Not a sideways move, obviously. We're in the Championship, Villa are in the Premier League, they've qualified for Europe. I totally see that. But if you were to sort of put Leicester and Villa overall over the years in in comparison, Villa's not exactly a gigantic step up to super world-class football, is it? No, it's slightly disappointing for me, you know, linked with all of the big boys. But yeah, your, you know, your rating as a player goes down. And um, it's kind of a 50-50 for me because you look on the sensible side of things and you go, he doesn't need to move house. Uh, you know, with kids, etc., in schools, and more than likely stay. You never know that sort of thing. It's an easy, easy link, isn't it? You go to Villa, no real difference, to be perfectly honest. You know, just a bit further away. Um, so that's easy. It's a club that got a lot of money, so I'd imagine he's on a fair whack. Um, yes, they've got European football, very progressive as well. Managers probably played a big role in that as well. So you can see that it's a really quite an attractive place to go and play football. It really is. But people then would look back over the last couple of years and go, well, hang on, they were down. doesn't matter. That's where they are now. And they were the people offering the money. They were the people offering the contracts. And also it's continue your very nice life in the area that you are and you don't have to do anything apart from put a different shirt on. So I can see every reason why he's gone there. Um, and you can only imagine that the the points that all Leicester fans know about Yuri Tillemans, the 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 bad side of his game, you know, the the weaknesses really are so much that it's put off the real big clangers because a fit and firing and playing well with Wilfred uh, Wilfred Ndidi, Yuri Tillemans is and Wilfred Ndidi would would be for me a player who would go in pretty much most Premier League teams. You know, Liverpool looking to re resort out their midfield. I was like, well, here's a free signing. It's a free signing. Um, Newcastle, you know. Champions League football, it, that's the only that's the other surprising thing. So I've kind of argued on the sense of why well, it does make a lot of sense going there. But then the other side of me is he's a free signing, and surely there would have been clubs a lot higher up looking at someone like him. But but there we go. That's you know again he's not a, a Leicester City player. It's going to be interesting to see where these where these players go. Um, there was an interesting thing about uh, Volt Vass the other day. I don't know what you saw, because obviously they've been away with their um, respective nations in this Nations League or Euro qualifiers. And um, Tedesco, the, the manager, he, he basically says that um, he won't lose his qualities if he stays in the championship. Um, so that's a, an, an interesting comment from the Belgian manager. So if Volt Vass is happy at Leicester happy to play championship football, but the one thing that he would be worried about is losing his place in the Belgian team is because he's playing championship football. And then the manager turns around and goes, don't worry, mate. You will still be a Belgian player and still be in our team if you're fit, playing well, just because you're playing in the championship doesn't matter. Um, I'd probably rather have you 
rather at the bottom end of the Premier League, I'd rather it be the top end of the Championship, playing well, full of confidence. So that is a that's a pretty good indication of where Volt Vass will be looking for, whether it be his own personal kind of career, uh, club career that he's looking for. And if he moves on and he gets a good offer from somewhere, then obviously players will move. But if he wants to stay and try and win a league, well, there you go. He's been given the green light by the big Belgian boss. That's uh, a positive. Uh, I would take what Tedesco says with a pinch of salt, though, because him and Courtois have been uh, having a bit of a war of words in the media, haven't they, over the last couple of days with Tedesco saying that uh, Courtois basically uh, thrown his toys out the pram because he hadn't been given the captain's armband as, as vice-captain of, of Belgium, but then Courtois says, no, I left the camp because I had a knee injury. That's a very interesting uh, polar opposites of stories coming out in the press but yeah uh, it, it's good for for fast because look it came from relative anonymity it wasn't exactly like setting the world alight and and being picked out as like the next best thing so I, I i like your point there about the fact that you know if leicester are where we really hope they will be in terms of pushing for the championship title and then you look at the fact that they have struggled uh, in the Premier League this season just gone, there's every chance Fass is going to be in better form and he's going to make better contributions to the Belgium team playing in a team like this rather than playing in a team um, that's that's losing most weeks or that's uh, shipping a load of goals or, or frightened to be on the ball, as as was the case for most of the season for Leicester. So if if he's got the green light from from the Belgium manager... Then and he's only had a year at Leicester so far. It it might be worth him sort of sticking it out, and then next summer, if uh, if Leicester haven't got promoted, then he could look at. Um, well, if he's had a good season in the Championship, let's say Leicester miss out on the playoffs or, or go through the playoffs and don't quite get there, but Fass is a sort of standout player of the Championship. Even a promoted team from Championship to Premier League at this time next year would be looking at a player like him. And then he's back in top flight football and he doesn't lose his Belgian place there. So it might be worth considering staying at Leicester for another season, especially if the international manager said go for it. Yep. And um, that, Rob, I pretty much have as my list of things. Apart from one thing we didn't do in the previous podcast, the look back, the double episode, the two-parter. Um, we forgot to mention the FPL, or should I say I forgot to mention the FPL League that we've mentioned in all season, and then you get to the end of the season, you forget to actually mention the final table. So, here we go then, with the top 10 for the For Fox 8 podcast 2022-23 season. Slightly late, but there you go. In 10th place, Rob, in 10th place was Fraser Hodgkins with Lord of the Ings, 2,483. In 9th place... Uh, Liam Squires with Glasgow Celtic, 2,488 points. By the way, the gap between 11th and 10th was quite a lot, 23 points. So this is a clear top 10. Uh, down into 8th place uh, was Olivia Tooney with uh, Schmeichel Jackson, 2,489 points. Uh, two points further up in 7th place, was down in 7th, was Matt Hansen flying without Mings, 2,491 then a bit of a jump to the top six. Up into sixth place, uh, Goran Vlaovic with Brokolona, 2,500 and 
13 points. He had a good final day. Uh, top five. The top five. Non-mover in fifth place. Ben Melbourne. Vini Vidi Vardi. 2,525 points. He got 51 points on the final weekend. Uh, down into fourth place. Amangolati with Team Dalek. 2,545 points. So the same amount of points as in third place, Glenn Richardson, Glenn's Maple Foxes, 2,545 points. Obviously the same, he only got 36, so Glenn holding on to third place. Uh, I'm quite sure how they worked that out, but they did. The top two. In second place, back of the netto, Adam Wise, 2,500 69 points. He got 74 points on the final weekend, but not enough to catch Jack R. Emerson Blues. 2,581 points. He got 68 points on the final game week. And he is the, for Fox 8 podcast, FPL champion of the 2022-2023 season. Well done to Jack R. with Emerson Blues. That's a great total. It's a very interesting... Uh... Sort of movers and shakers in the last uh, in the last game week there as well with uh, the top two scoring sixty eight and seventy four big big scores probably just having a quick scroll down I've got to fortieth in the league table and not seen anybody beat those two scores so uh, and they've got little green up arrows next to them which means they both moved up um, past Glens Maple Foxes and Team Dalek on the last day of the season so final day drama in the For Fox 8 podcast FPL table. I'm uh, I'm gutted because um, regular listeners will know that I dropped my uh, my fantasy football team probably about six to eight games from the end of the season because I missed a couple of game weeks and then I, I really gave up the, the chase, if you like. So I adopted a couple of teams uh, of two of my mates who were getting very, very close to the top ten. Um, I adopted... Uh, Mainly Holgate Total, my mate Jakey was was really pushing there. Uh, he finished 14th in the end, um, but was desperate for a mention. So here you go, you can have another one. Uh, and also a mate of mine, Jack, who I saw at the weekend, uh, he managed to get himself up to 12th with a late surge in the last few weeks. But no uh, representative in the top 10 for me, unfortunately, even though they didn't really agree to let me take the credit for their teams in the first place. I just said it on the podcast and made it... Uh, a fact, Pete, I'm looking for you, 47th, that's um solid top 50 finish representing the podcast for us because uh, I tumbled in the last few weeks down to uh, uh, a final finishing position of a 125th. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the instant excuse I can use, my, uh, my league with my mates, uh, which I was going for a three-timer, or should I say a three-peat, and uh, that's what that's what the league was called but we changed it to a head-to-head so there was a slight difference in approach and I managed to win uh just so um I won by three points the the league that I needed to win so it kind of had a dent on both my work league and also the uh the Fox 6 I know that's a it might sound like an excuse but kind of generally is you know when you're when you're fighting in the FBL um right Apart from that, Rob, I can't think of anything else really that's happened with Leicester. There's going to be so much 
to talk about over the summer, but we had to do one to, to welcome to welcome Enzo to the football club. Um, what do you want then to happen in the next ten? Well, in the next couple of weeks, what do you both like want to happen? But also, what do you think will happen? I would like to be in a much clearer position as to the shape of the squad. Uh, in terms of I would like to see a good three or four contracted players leaving the club for a decent amount of money. I don't think the big, big money players are going to go yet. Uh, I would like them to because it gives the club a very clear indication as to what the uh, what the budget's going to be for this summer. So what would I like to happen? I'd like the Barnes, Madison, couple of others... Uh, outstanding issues resolved early doors tell Maresca what he's got to spend he'll know which positions then he needs to to fill in everybody's clear the the issue that we've got and the thing that I think will happen is the fact that the preseason training doesn't start officially till the 3rd of July yes the window's open but like you said the the, the international football um is pretty much still going on over the next couple of days I think as well so the season uh, officially is is just about uh, to draw to a close. You're probably going to get a lot of people on holiday in the next few weeks. I understand that um, agents would never dare go on holiday at this time of the season because it's very important for them. Uh, but the players will be, which can sometimes mean uh, things happen a lot slower. So what do I think will happen? Uh, one or two in, one or two out. What do I hope will happen? Maybe a few more of those, especially a couple for significant fees. We say it every transfer window and it never happens, but get the business done early. Yeah, I agree, but I'm not set full of hope. I Again, looking at when the, uh, when the players get back, I completely understand why some of the senior players who are going to more than likely stay at the football club have been away. You know, get away from the club. You've just gone down. I'm, I'm talking with one man in particular, someone like Jamie Vardy. Okay, someone like um, someone who's not going to go on international duty. But as soon as the season finishes, get out of the way. Get Go on holiday. Do that. Go for a fortnight in Skegness. And then, um, and then come back and we'll decide. You know, wait until we get a new manager, etc. And we'll go from there. Um, when it comes to those international players like Madison, obviously there's going to be a bit more of a delay because um, being away with England, I presume now he's gone on holiday. Um, obviously, then players can still be bought in that when they can come back from holiday to, to have their medicals. But I think someone like him might be a bit later. Um, someone like Barnes could get done reasonably soonish. So yes, there's going to be movement. What I would like, though, is some of the senior players at the football club to actually come out and make some statements and may have an interview. Someone like Vardy, especially. And if Mark Albrighton goes and visits Enzo or the other way around and Enzo, right, I want you as part of the squad. I want you as part of the team. Okay, him then. To actually face the media at the training ground in a Leicester City Football Club shirt or whatever and say right we're in the championship yes very disappointing but that's behind us now we're looking forward we're going to try and win the league that all that positive stuff I was talking about it would be great if it's Vardy if they decide that Vardy is going to stay at the football club if Vardy in in conversation with the new manager and the football club decide yes actually I'm going to be part of this squad and this team for next season 
who knows that's not a gimme is it um but if it is then that's what i would like what some of the senior members to actually go right don't panic everyone we're in the championship but we're going to give it a real good go to win the league so that's the um that's what i would like to see transfer wise again it's all as and when it happens because there's obviously other clubs involved in in actually purchasing the players so uh yeah a bit of uh, a bit of chat and a bit of positivity from the manager which was great but a bit of chat and a bit of positivity from some of the senior players is what I would like to see in the next couple of weeks and I'm under no illusion that it's going to be a couple of weeks so I, I'm all right with that you know if nothing really happens in the next seven days it's fine because again people are away but and then I think the business will turn up very very quickly and uh, and happen and when it does we'll be back won't we Rob uh, with an, another couple of podcasts before the season starts talking about the season but for now I think it's probably going to be a fortnight or so unless there's some dramatic news which we can always chime in with can't we we can, but uh, we're happy to take a break now that we've got the managerial situation sorted. We've got a new manager. We can now go on our postseason holidays. 